the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is common throughout the, the year, beloved in the Lord, since there are so many stories of encounters with Jesus in the Gospels, in fact, the normal form. We're going to be getting into that. A lame man, a blind man, the woman at the well. There's so many of those. And all, and, and, and all four of the Gospels. These Gospels usually end with something like, and, and the crowd gave glory to God, or praise God, or, or something like that. Gratitude, faith. This, the first of his signs, Jesus worked at Canaan and Galilee, and his disciples believed, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. It ends that way, with faith and glory to God. This is the only time during the course of the church of year the gospel lasts for her says, I ain't going to believe. I mean, that's the original, I think. I ain't going to believe. No faith. And we get it over and over and over again. I didn't count the languages tonight. Somebody did. Uh, well, you heard, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe over and over. Why does the church pick this Sunday to read Gospels in a variety of languages? There's a rubric governing this. You're supposed to read the gospel in every language that's available in the in that congregation, which is why St. Vlad says great, great advantage over everybody else with seminarians from all over the world. Um, you see, Pascha is a feast of 50 days. In fact, the liturgical text for this season are fit in a book called the Pentecosterion to book for the 50 days. At the end of these 50 days, the epistle reading is going to be the gospel preached in all the languages at Jerusalem. And you'll be hearing all of these nations, beginning with the Parthians and the Medes, way over on the Persian Gulf. And Luke runs them all around, stops the Tachyon to take in uh, Egypt and Libya, and then runs it all the way around to visitors from Rome, and then suddenly remembers, I forgot the Cretans. I forgot the Arabs. So he throws them in. You get all these languages, all these languages. It's a characteristic of the Eastern Church that these languages have always been honored liturgically. And that's a strong contrast with the West, which insisted on Latin until the 20th century when they translated the Latin into Kroger supermarket English and somehow thought that was an improvement. Um, at least when it was in Latin, you didn't know what it meant. Kroger supermarket English, it disguises what it meant distorts what it meant. But already on the evening of Pascha, the church introduces 
the nations of the world, all of those who are going to hear the gospel, it's a warning to the church. Those people out there are not going to believe. They are not going to believe unless, unless you can somehow place their fingers in the place of the nails and place their hands in his side. Unless the church can learn to do that. Unless the church can bring people into the love of Christ manifested in his wounds. They're not going to believe. They're not going to believe because we've got great philosophical arguments. Paul tried that in Acts 17 when he was preaching to the philosophers on the Areopagus. Notice the list of converts from that one. I think there are three. So when he went to Corinth right after that, he was determined to know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. And that's when he started to get converts. Our task, the task of the church, is to share with the world in their own language, to the extent that we can, in their own language, share the message of the cross, not as an abstraction, but as something that touches their hearts, something they can reach out and feel. The mission of the church is to bring all men to the flesh of Christ, to the flesh of the risen Christ. That's the task of the church. It's on that task that we began last night when Joseph, I think it was you, Subdeacon Joseph, were you the one in the former treatise I wrote to you of Theophilus? Oh, you did that? Yes. Okay. The former treatise, we began there. In the former treatise that I wrote to you of Theophilus, of all the things that Jesus began to do and say, the Acts of the Apostles, the first history of the church, began last night. And the book of Acts goes on to portray the, 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 the movement of the gospel. The movement of the gospel from a doomed city, a doomed city, Jerusalem, just as doomed as Troy. It hadn't happened yet. Jerusalem was treated exactly the way the Greeks treated Troy. And the gospel moves from that doomed city and ends up, where's the, where's the last chapter of Acts? Where does it end? In Rome, same place. The same place the Trojans end up, in Rome. It was the, the known world at that time, the world of importance to the people of the, of the New Testament. It was that the stretch of the Mediterranean basin. The Old Testament brings the word of God from the Persian Gulf with the call of Abraham and brings the gospel in an arch over the Fertile Crescent down to Egypt and then up in the Levant. Later on, Babylon will be brought into it in the sixth century before Christ. But the gospel is now firmly rooted in the Levant. It's from the Levant that moves across a more or less northerly path, moves across up to uh, Asia Minor, Greece, on over to the, to the, to the other end. Paul says in 
goes to the Romans that he hopes to get to Spain. He hopes to end up in Spain, exactly the place where Jonah was traveling. Jonah wanted to go to Tarshish. Tarshish is what we now call Cadiz. There's our task. There's our task. To bring all the world to the flesh of Christ. And the love manifested his wounds. Amen.